This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language and discussions of serious and mature themes, including religious theology, including the topic of damnation, barely legal teenage sex, problematic consent due to both magic and the use of alcohol, and pseudo-incest, sex between adoptive siblings. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 247. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk, and tell you about my life and my writing. So let's get moving with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 21 of my Metamore City novel, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. This is a long chapter, and it touches on a lot of plot points from earlier in the book. I'm going to skip the recap this week, but I would encourage you to pay attention to the content warnings at the beginning of this episode. There's some heavy stuff in here, and it's important to everything that follows. Now then, here's chapter 21. Homecoming A Tale of Metamore City Written and read by Chris Laster Chapter 21 Sam and Lisa greeted them all warmly, showing no discomfort with Kate and Chase's transformations. Miko came plodding in on their heels, and while he sniffed Kate carefully up and down, he did not shy away when she tried to pet him. John could have sworn the dog looked mildly embarrassed, laying his ears back and holding his tail low in a submissive posture. "'Are we friends again, sweet boy?' Kate asked. In answer, Miko looked hopefully over at the plate of sausages on the counter beside her. He looked back at Kate and wagged his tail twice. Kate laughed and gave him a sausage. Chase hung back at the doorway to the dining room, his body slightly hunched, his arms wrapped around his torso. Sam gave him a quick look up and down as he approached, then smiled kindly at him. "'Hey, Chase,' he said, opening his arms to the younger man. Chase seemed taken aback by this, but after a moment he accepted the offered hug. His own arms went around Sam and held him tightly. "'Mr. K,' he said, his voice rough and little more than a whisper. His eyes squeezed shut, and two tears ran down his cheeks. He took a slow, ragged breath, which very nearly turned into a sob. Sam patted Chase on the back. It's okay, son. 
You're okay. Chase didn't say anything, just stood there and soaked up the hug for a long moment. After a while, they parted, and Sam took Chase's shoulders in both hands as he looked up into his eyes. You hungry? A ghost of a smile touched Chase's lips. Yeah. All right, Sam said. Why don't you help me set the table? Sure, Chase said, and followed him into the kitchen. Once Sam's back was turned, Chase wiped the tears from his face. John pretended not to watch him, and he didn't think anyone else noticed. Meanwhile, Lisa and Kate were conferring in quiet voices while Emily tended the pancakes. John had missed the start of the conversation, but he guessed that Lisa had asked about the changes in Kate's appearance. It's so weird, Kate said. All of a sudden, I could see how the essence needed to flow, and I just did it. It's like finding out that you've got a whole other set of muscles or something. Her tail curled up between them, seemingly of its own volition, and Kate caught it in one hand before it could smack into Lisa. She looked down at it with an embarrassed smile. Which is also something I'm dealing with. Lisa watched the tail for a moment in apparent fascination, but she didn't try to touch it. John wondered if she knew it was one of a succubus's erogenous zones. It sounds like you're getting a handle on it, she said. She put a hand on Kate's shoulder and smiled encouragingly. I'm glad you're not afraid of your power. I don't think it would have been given to you if you weren't supposed to use it. Kate reached up and covered her mother's hand with her own. Her eyes went a little distant, her expression wistful. You said almost the same thing when we learned I had magic. Lisa cocked her head, and the gesture reminded John eerily of Kate. Did I? Definitely. Kate refocused on Lisa again and squeezed her hand. You were right then. I'm guessing you're probably right now. Probably a safe guess, Lisa said, and winked. She leaned in and kissed Kate's cheek. Proud of you, sweetie. Aww, Emily said, grinning over her shoulder at them. I wish my mom was proud of me when she caught me sneaking in after dark. She handed each of them a plate stacked with pancakes. Here, let's eat. They settled in around the dinner table. Lisa at the head of the table, Miko, as always, at her feet, Sam and John on her right, Kate, Emily, and Chase on her left. This time Lisa said the grace, the same prayer Sam had intoned for the last two nights. Chase quietly echoed the amen along with the others, but John and Emily just bowed their heads and remained silent. The meal began, and for a while they distracted each other with talk about school and sports, movies and television. The deliberate normalcy of it seemed to help Chase relax, and gradually he started chiming in on the conversation. As they finished their meal, though, and Kate and Lisa each started on their second cup of coffee, an awkward lull fell over the room, and John knew the time had come for the real discussion. So, Chase... We need to talk about some stuff. Chase immediately sobered. Yeah. John nodded once. First question. Is there anyone here that you aren't comfortable sharing in front of? We're all here because we want to help, but some of us have known you a long time, and some of us barely know you at all. 
If any of us being here is going to make things harder on you, you can ask that person to leave. You won't hurt our feelings. He looked around at the others, and they all nodded agreement. The look in Sam's eyes made John think it would hurt his feelings, but he'd go along with it regardless. Chase looked at each one of them in turn, then finally shook his head. No, you've all helped me out. You know what's going on. He swallowed hard. And I need all the friends I can get right now. Emily reached over and took his hand, laced her fingers between his. She was trying hard not to cry, but her eyes still glistened. Okay, John said. Let's start by filling in some gaps. Sam said you got really sick last spring. Chase nodded. And sometime during the summer you got better, right? Chase nodded again, but it was Emily who spoke. Not all the way better. He still gets really tired. He still has these horrible headaches. Right, John said. And you were taking care of him this summer, yes? Emily's fingers tightened against Chase's. I tried to, yeah. Something flickered through her eyes, an emotion she suppressed too quickly for John to read it. She looked down at the table. Right, John said again. Here's the thing. I can tell you why you got sick, Chase, but I don't quite understand how you got better. Chase's eyes widened. You know why I got sick? How? Emily was quicker than Chase. A look of dismay filled her eyes. Oh, shh. She glanced quickly at Sam and Lisa, then amended, Shoot. Lisa reached across the table and patted her free hand. It's all right, hun. Oh, shit is entirely appropriate here. Chase stared at both women, then back at John. Like I told you, you're part outsider, John said. Specifically, you're an incubus which means you have a piece of Suspira's essence. I do, too. Chase looked stunned and horrified. But Suspira's bad. Evil. Eh, Lisa said, and waggled her hand in a so-so gesture. Not exactly. Kate looked at her mother, surprised. Chase mirrored the expression. Even Sam seemed taken aback. John met Lisa's eyes and flashed her a quick grin. You want to explain it? Lisa gave him a little half-bow of thanks, then turned back to Chase. Suspira is the avatar of lust. That means physical attraction, pleasure, desire, sex, all of that. But she's also the avatar of fertility and childbirth. So on the one hand, yes, she's all about hunger and need and selfishness, and taking something from other people so you can feel whole. And sometimes that turns dark. Sometimes it pushes people toward evil. But that's not the whole story. Because through filling that hunger, we find each other. We make connections. We find joy. And we bring new life into existence. She shrugged. Almost everything alive has sex. And without sex... Without the desire that makes us have sex, there'd be no more life. We'd stop having babies. We'd die out. She glanced over at John. Does that about cover it? 
as well as any hedonist priest could ask for, John said approvingly. He turned back to Chase. Incubi needs sexual energy to survive. We need it the same way we need food and water. Your essence started to wake up when you went through puberty, but since you were basically fasting, it couldn't get enough energy. That's why you were so weak and sick. Chase's expression had gone distant as John spoke. He looked down at his hands again, at his tail twitching nervously under the table. So you're saying that if I don't have sex, I'm gonna die? Most likely, yes, John said. It is possible to feed indirectly. Basically, you make other people horny, and they have sex around you, but it's less efficient than taking directly from a willing partner. You might be able to survive without sex, but you'd have to hang around a lot of orgies. Chase, Sam, and Emily all blushed at that. I... I think maybe that's worse, Chase whispered. He fell silent for a moment, and John let him think. At length, he said, I hurt Janet. I fed on her, I guess, and it hurt her. I don't want to hurt people. That's good, John agreed. I don't want to hurt people either. And you don't have to. You can learn to control your feeding. It takes some effort to learn, but it's not hard, really. He's right, Kate said. I've been a temporary succubus for the last two days, and I've already learned how. It's just like eating. Part of you wants to keep doing it, but you learn to stop before you stuff yourself. Chase sighed and hung his head. This sucks. If I don't have sex, I die. But if I have sex before marriage, I'm sinning, and Eli probably sends me to hell. John winced. He looked over at the Catanes, silently beseeching them for help. He was not theologically equipped for this discussion. Emily, though, wasn't having it. That's bullshit, she said. Anger warred with pity on her face as she looked Chase squarely in the eyes. Even if you believe that Eli is the one god out of all the gods we know about who decides where you end up when you die... It's crazy to think he's going to torture you, forever, for something that isn't even your fault. She pulled his hand to her lap, covered it with both of hers. You were born this way, Chase. It's a part of you. No god is going to condemn you for that. Chase's eyes welled up with tears, and he looked away from her, blinking hard. She's right, actually, Lisa said quietly. The theologians hashed this out at the Second Council of Marigand back in the 1830s, but I don't know if Pastor Bill teaches you about church history. Chase sniffed and wiped at his eyes. Not a lot, he admitted. He, uh, he says most ecclesiasts and Mariahists aren't really followers anyway. A faint frown creased his forehead. That never seemed right to me. I mean, the way's been around for two thousand years, and we're the only ones who got it right? Sam smiled kindly at him. Never trust anyone who tells you they have all the answers, son. I'm older than Pastor Bill, and the older I get, I just keep finding out I know less. He put a hand on John's shoulder, patted it. But I know a good man when I see him, and you're both good men. John felt strangely touched at that, 
He put a hand on Sam's knee and gave him a close-lipped smile. Thank you, he said, and his voice had gone a little rough all of a sudden. Sam looked him in the eye and gave him one slow nod, a look of acceptance and welcome. John cleared his throat and turned back to the table, looking at each of them in turn. <clears throat> anyway, I'll defer to the Catanes on the follower stuff, but I can answer any questions you have about being an incubus. If you'll work with me for a few days, I can teach you enough of the basics to look after yourself without hurting anyone. After that, if you want, I can put you in contact with people who can help you learn more, or you can come back to Metamore with me and Kate, and I'll keep working with you there. Again, it's completely your choice. Chase took a deep breath, let it out. He looked up at John, and his eyes were clear again. You'll show me how to keep from hurting anyone? I will, John agreed. We'll need a human volunteer to help us. He raised his eyebrows slightly and looked between Chase and Emily. I don't want to make any assumptions, but I thought maybe we have one already? Yes, Emily said immediately. No, Chase said at nearly the same moment. A deathly silence fell over the table. The two young people were very carefully not looking at each other. Emily's face turned crimson. She let go of Chase's hand and rose quickly from the table. I'm sorry, she said, her voice thick with tears. I need to... She covered her face, sobbed once, then ran out of the room. John heard the thumping of her feet against the stairs, and then the guest room door slammed shut. John, Sam, Lisa, and Kate looked around at each other in astonishment. Kate got to her feet. I'll go to her, she said quietly. She shot an angry look at Chase, who was avoiding everyone's gaze, then went after Emily, her tail lashing behind her. John waited to speak until he heard the bedroom door open and shut again. I think that we need some context. Chase glanced up without raising his head. He looked miserable. You have to promise not to tell her. John arched an eyebrow. Now we definitely need context. Do you promise? Chase pressed. No, John said, bluntly. Not without knowing what this is about. Sam's your teacher, Chase. You can't ask him to make a promise like that. Chase shot Sam a guilty look. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. It's my problem. I shouldn't drag anyone else into it. John pointed a finger at the ceiling. Pretty clearly, it's also Emily's problem. Chase flinched, but said nothing. John continued in a gentler tone. What's going on, man? What happened between you? For a long moment, it seemed like Chase wouldn't answer. He wrung his hands. His tail quivered in agitation. He stared at the table in front of him. Son, Sam said gently, whatever it is, I'll still love you and support you. There's nothing you can say that will make me give up on you. Chase let out a long, heavy sigh. Are you sure about that? His voice was barely above a whisper. Try me, Sam said. 
Chase nodded slightly, but he still didn't say anything further. Something happened between you and Emily? Lisa asked. Chase nodded. Something you regret? Chase did not answer. Lisa narrowed her eyes and thought. John could tell she was working something out, so he shut up and let her do it. When she spoke, her voice was very calm and quiet. Chase, did Emily push you to do something you didn't want to do? Oh, shit, John thought. It wasn't her fault, Chase whispered. She was drunk. We both were. But she doesn't remember. Double shit, John thought. A lot of pieces were falling into place now, but he let Lisa take the lead. Sam, his eyes bright with worry, did likewise. Start at the beginning, dear, Lisa said. What happened? Chase moistened his lips, glanced up at Lisa, back down at the table again. So, I was really sick. You know that part. Mom and Dad had used up their time off, and Emily was on break from uni, so she helped take care of me. Stayed with me when Mom and Dad were at work. He tried for a smile, failed miserably at it. She was like family, you know? If she had problems at home, or her mom was pulling a 20-hour shift or whatever, she'd come stay with us, no questions asked. She'd had a key to our house since she was 14. Lisa nodded encouragingly. Go on. Slowly, Chase huddled into himself, tucking in his tail and drawing his hands into his lap. He seemed to become keenly interested in his own fingernails. She worked really hard to take care of me. I would get so tired I couldn't move. My head would pound so hard I couldn't see straight. She cooked for me, fed me, cleaned the house, did the laundry. She did it all. And, well, we'd always been close. But we got even closer, because I was lonely and scared, and she was there for me. We'd watch TV for hours because I was too weak to get off the couch. When watching TV made my head hurt, I'd lie down and she'd read to me. Sometimes I couldn't even follow the story anymore. And then she'd just hold me. And we'd listen to music or something until I fell asleep. He paused, moistened his lips, cleared his throat. Emmy was always like a sister to me, but that summer... It started feeling different. I started having... thoughts about her. His skin flushed a deeper shade of crimson. No, that's not true. I'd had thoughts like that before, sometimes. For years. But I always pushed them away. Because she felt like a sister, Lisa said. Yeah. Chase hesitated, then added, And, you know... Because I didn't want to go to hell. He fell silent for a while. Lisa got up and sat down next to him, took his hand gently in hers. Tears started to run down his cheeks, and he started sniffling again. Sam went and brought him a box of tissues, and Chase used several of them before he could continue. Sam settled into the chair on his other side, a quiet and comforting presence. Mom and Dad went away for the weekend, 
Chase said at last. They'd been working so hard, and they just needed some time, you know? My little sister was off at camp, so it was the best chance they were going to get. Emily told them to go, said she'd take care of everything, and they trusted her because she'd been amazing. They gave her some money and got a hotel room in the city for the night. But they didn't know that I was getting worse, that I was cold all the time, that I couldn't walk to the bathroom anymore without help. We didn't want them to worry, but I was dying. I knew it, and Emily knew it. He took another tissue, blew his nose again. She was scared and worried, and she was there all by herself watching me die. And when Emmy's scared, when she's worried, she drinks. Lisa wiped tears out of her own eyes, then gripped his hand a little tighter. You said you both got drunk. Was that her idea? Yeah. I turned eighteen a couple weeks before, and I still hadn't tried alcohol yet. She said it would help me relax. She said I shouldn't let her drink alone. So I said okay. And she went into Mom and Dad's liquor cabinet, and she made me something sweet, so I couldn't taste the booze too much. He shook his head slightly. I don't remember what she called it, but it must have been pretty strong, because my head started getting fuzzy before I was half done with it. Not too surprising for your first time, Lisa said, especially when you were already sick. Chase nodded. Yeah. So we were, um cuddled up on the couch together, and we were sort of watching this nature show, but not really. I'd just finished that one drink, but Emmy'd had, like, three of them. And she starts talking about how much she loves me, and how she doesn't have anybody else in her life that she's close to like me. And I thought that was kind of weird, because, like, I knew that, but she didn't usually say it out loud, you know? Lisa nodded and gestured for him to continue. Anyway, she asks me why I've never been with a girl, and if maybe I don't like girls that way. And I say, no, I like girls. So she asks if I think she's pretty, and I say, yeah, duh, of course she is. And she gets real close to me, and she says she wants to give me something. Because, because I might not get another chance, and, and I should know what it's like because I'm too pretty to die a virgin. At this, he hung his head again, his skin flushing even hotter. And then we started kissing. And doing other things. Let me guess, John said, after a long moment. As you got into it, you started to feel better. Chase nodded heavily. Yeah, I didn't understand it, but it was like someone plugged me in charged up my batteries again. My headache went away, and my muscles felt stronger. The next thing I remember, she'd taken all our clothes off, and she was on top of me, and we were kissing each other all over, and, you know, she put it inside her. And I let her. Lisa nodded. Did you want to stop? Chase made a frustrated noise. <sighs> I did and I didn't. I wanted to save myself for marriage, you know? 
I made a promise. But it felt so good, and... It was Emily. She'd done so much for me. More than I ever could have asked for. And I thought, she wants this so much. I can let her do this for me. That's a fair trade. He sighed. Except the next morning she couldn't remember any of it. And suddenly I was better. I never understood that until now. She probably saved your life, John said quietly. She gave your incubus side enough energy to recover. That doesn't make it right, Lisa said gravely. She still pressured him into having sex, and pressured him into drinking before that. Yeah, but she doesn't remember, Chase said miserably. It shouldn't have happened. If I hadn't had that stupid drink, if I'd been thinking clearly, I shouldn't have let it start. I knew she was drunk, and I let it happen. He looked up at them again, the tears running freely down his face. His voice was twisted with agony and grief. At school, they always say, if they're too drunk to say no, they're too drunk to say yes. They say if you have sex with someone who's drunk, it's rape. Always. He spread his hands, helplessly. But we were both drunk. And they also say if you didn't say yes, then you were raped. I didn't say yes. She never asked what I wanted. She just started doing things, and I let her. So, what happened? Did, did we rape each other? I don't get it. He leaned back into Sam, sobbing openly. The older man wrapped his arms around Chase and held him close. John met Lisa's eyes across the table. He could see an old pain there, hanging over her like a spirit she thought had been exorcised. Something about Chase's story resonated deeply for her, but he doubted he would ever learn the details. She had buried her past for a reason. They waited for Chase's sobs to subside. Once he had gotten control of himself, it was Lisa who spoke first. I think it's probably no use trying to parcel out whose fault it was, she said, her gaze distant and troubled. You both made bad choices. You both had things happen that you couldn't control. It was regrettable, but I don't think it makes either one of you bad people. Does that make sense? Chase nodded weakly. I guess, yeah. Lisa tore her attention away from whatever ghosts haunted her, and focused on Chase again. Do you still love Emily? Yes, Chase said, instantly. Then you need to tell her what happened. Chase looked confused. But that will hurt her. I don't want her to feel bad. She's being hurt regardless. Her voice was low and intense driven by deep emotions that were otherwise locked below the surface. You can't really forgive her for what she did, because she hasn't apologized. And she can't forgive you for not stopping her when she was drunk, because she doesn't remember. She took his hand again, held it up between them. If you love her, if you can forgive her, then talk to her. And if you can't, then break it off and never see her again. Because if you leave things the way they are, neither of you are ever going to heal. 
Chase sat slowly back in his chair, his eyes fixed on the wall behind John. Lisa's words had clearly hit home, but he was still wrestling with it. The poor kids had a lot to take in at once, John thought. The doorbell rang. Miko sprang to his feet and ran for the foyer, barking loudly. John looked at Chase, with the Catanes bracketing him on either side, offering him comfort and acceptance. He still looked so terribly fragile. John got to his feet. I'll go see who it is. Sam and Lisa nodded their assent, and he padded out to the front door. Miko was still barking, deep and forceful, his bushy plume of a tail waving high over his back in warning. The fur stood out on the back of his neck and at the base of his tail. John looked out the window, and his heart froze in his chest. Four men and two women stood waiting in matching black suits, with crisp white shirts and blouses, black ties, and sunglasses. Two stood on the front porch, less than two meters away. The others were spaced out further back, arrayed around the front yard and the driveway. They had a pair of large skimmer vans, spotless black and unmarked, with government plates. They were parked on either side of John's skimmer, so close that he would not be able to get the doors open, which also blocked the way out for the Catane's ground car. John looked back at the two closest agents. One of them held up her badge, an enameled blue shield with a twin cross inlaid in gold. The woman cocked her head, her face expressionless, and waited. John turned around and put his back to the door. He cleared his throat, then raised his voice to be heard in the next room. Sam? Lisa? Close the curtains and get away from the windows. Stay with Chase. Upstairs, the door to the guest bedroom opened. Kate appeared a moment later, her Arthana in her hand. She saw the agents in the front yard, and the color drained from her face. She looked down at John, her eyes wide. Stay with them, he said, and tried to sound more confident than he felt. I've got this. Then he unlocked the door, nudged Miko out of the way, and went outside to face the Lightbringers. And that's the end of Chapter 21. Come back next time, when John has to answer to the Lightbringers for all the recent shenanigans. Hey folks, Chris here. I'm recording this on the weekend of August 8th, together with the outro for Episode 246. Since this one is running long anyway, I'm going to skip the writing update for this week. Come back next time and I'll let you know how it's been going. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. 
If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.